Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 46 of Bucks Dugout podcast on SB Nation. I'm Nathan Hirsch, and I'm here today, as always, with Jake Slobodnik. Jake, how's it going? Going good. I think it's the first time I'm recording this podcast from my office, but uh, listening to the game here at the office, a lot of things to talk about. Now, over 14, the Pirates and sweep opportunities but before we get into that i gotta ask you how your day's been going since you asked me uh it's been pretty good i worked earlier just got home listened to the pirate game on the radio as well um caught caught the last inning on tv but yeah like you said um the good news is the pirates have won three straight series and they've won six out of their last nine and this series went in particular was pretty impressive, I would say. Um, but as you said, just at this point, it's I said this on the last pod, but at this point, it's hilarious uh, that the Pirates are 0 for 14 when it comes to finishing off sweeps. It's hilarious that they've won two straight games of series 14 times. Um, I don't know if there's any, there's probably some, there's probably some chances that a four game sweep as well, but. Yeah, still no sweep. The only team, the Pirates, at this point now are, what is their record on the season? They're 54-92, and 92. and um, good series. But before we, before we get into this, uh, into, into this Reds series recap, it was a pretty important series um, for baseball in general because it was Roberto Clemente Day, and... Um, all of the Pirates wore 21, and players throughout 
Major League Baseball War 21. And um, I just wanted to get your take on the whole Roberto Clemente day experience, what what you're thinking and how, how you feel about it in general. I mean, I just think it's awesome, obviously, but um, give me your give me some Roberto Clemente, uh, whatever you want to say. I think, you know, Roberto Clemente obviously speaks for just who Roberto Clemente really was as a person, cared about uh, pretty much everybody in this world. He went, he made a difference. He broke different barriers when it comes to baseball. He was just all around a very influential piece in baseball's mature or, you know, your coming of age, I would say. Mm. Um, and I think Roberto Clemente day as a whole, it's, it's, it's a very, very uh, good thing, good thing to have each season. I think though this season should have been where they firmly retired number 21 across the MLB um, just because the year 2021, all the, you know, cool. everything's surrounding Roberto Clemente. I think this would have been a perfect year to retire number 21 uh, just to honor his legacy in this year. You know, I think it was a very good, uh, it would have been a very good thing to see, but overall the cause, the reason we celebrate Roberto Clemente day is definitely special. I'm glad that we celebrate it once every year. And um, it's good to re- rehash his, you know, what he's done, not just in the baseball world, but in the community as well. Uh, during his life, uh, before his tragic passing. Um, so I think it's a very good thing. And I, I love the way the Pirates sort of commemorated it yesterday with a walk-off win yeah. in full fashion. Uh, and then, you know, a Puerto Rican-born player, uh, Wilmer Defoe, doing the honors and winning it for the Pirates. It just, it just culminated into a fantastic day. For sure. It was definitely fitting. And the thing about Clemente, I think that is just, you know, extremely awesome and impressive and you can use any words you want but it's it's obvious that uh, you know hall of fame player just an amazing player it as someone who's uh younger it, it it is it does sadden me a little bit that i never really got to see him play and there's not really a ton of highlights of watching him obviously i mean the highlight that sticks out to me is is the uh, the throws from right field obviously just amazing? And some of his like 1971 World Series highlights, I saw some of those. And um, you know, with the bat, with with the arm, fielding speed, everything, he was awesome. But you hear it a lot when people are just like, "Oh yeah, he he, he was a he or she was a greater person than they were a player." You hear that a lot. But I think with Clemente, um, I mean, you hear it you hear it more often than not. And the fact that it's like a known thing that he was, you know, a larger than life person, honestly, like today talking about him, it's almost as if he's kind of like saint, like in Pittsburgh and in baseball in general, just such a great legacy that he's, that he's left. And obviously the way that he went out was tragic, but just everything that he did, everything that he stood for, um, that, as well as being the great player that he was, I mean, that's not as important, but just the legacy that he's left behind is just legendary. And I, I do agree. I think that it is, I mean, retiring his number across baseball, I'm for it. I see how people aren't for it just because I wouldn't put him quite on the uh, Jackie Robinson 
you know, pedestal of what he did for baseball. I mean, that, that goes without saying. But Clemente, if there were another player to retire the number all across baseball, I feel like Clemente has to be next in line, uh, no doubt. And like you said, it was, it was cool to see the Pirates uh, get the walk-off win yesterday. And um, the only real shame is that not a lot of people were really there to to be there for Clemente Day in Pittsburgh for uh, you know obvious reason the team is just dreadful but but uh, just it's every year it's really it's it's really great to um, celebrate him and um, it's just just a it was a cool it was a cool week and it was a fun series and I'm glad the Pirates were able to take two out of three they didn't get the sweep which sucked but uh, it's just it was just nice. It was a nice three-game series and a nice um, stretch to both watch the Pirates win some games and to celebrate the life and legacy of uh, Roberto Clemente. Oh, yeah. And with Roberto Clemente's legacy, his humanitarian efforts stand out the most because he helped sort of uh, bolster uh, baseball for younger for younger people over in uh, you know foreign countries such as uh, Puerto Rico. Um, he hosted free youth clinics there. He helped deliver aid, which unfortunately was uh, where thing where his life sort of ended on his way to Nicaragua after their uh, that earthquake in 1972. But um, overall, I, I think you look at Roberto Clemente and you look at the landscape that he provided, not just for Major League Baseball but for uh, international baseball as well. I think it really speaks to how much Roberto Clemente was dedicated not only to his performance on the field, but how he behaved off the field as well. And I think that's just what makes Clemente one of, if not the great, one of the greatest, you know, athletes of all time, uh, especially in the baseball realm. So I I think Roberto Clemente day and the Roberto Clemente award is, uh, you know, something that really helps. It, it, It does shine a light on Roberto Clemente's legacy, but at the same time, there there will never ever be someone else quite like Roberto Clemente in the game. Agreed, and I think it goes without saying that Clemente, in terms of Pirates history, um, he's definitely one of the best, if not the best player in franchise history. But I think even if he's not quite the best player in Pirates history, he's definitely the most. Uh, influential. He's definitely the most relevant. And I think if you had to put a face on the Pirates organization all time, all the way back to 18, whatever it was, I think Clemente is the face of the Pirates. And um, yeah, I mean, Roberto Clemente day is a great day for sure. For sure. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I, I hope it sticks around for a long while and, you put it best by making him the face of the Pirates organization. It, it is sad. I'm going to refer to something you talked about earlier. It is sad to see or to know that he his career couldn't progress beyond 1972 because I felt like he would have really, really um, – he would have broken more records. He would have just been uh, – you know, he could have been classified as probably one of the uh, – one of if not the greatest player in baseball had his career not been cut short, career and life that is. Um, but – you know, it's it's just one of those things where it's a good way to commemorate him. And, you know, you just you just wish that you could see him a little bit longer. I kind of wish that he was still around today, not only to see where he progressed in his career, but also maybe to see what else he does, both with the Pirates in, sort, in forms of like a mentor role and what he does 
uh, you know, how he and possibly MLB could have worked together to help spread baseball across other countries and get uh, underprivileged children involved with that as well. But yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things you said it perfectly. Just wish he would have, you know, it's just sad that he, his life got cut so short, but in the time that he was here, just an overall. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's, that's a good way to put it as well. And uh, I think if he were still here today, he definitely would be some sort of uh, global humanitarian. Honestly, I really believe that. And uh, his influence was definitely has always been and can will continue to be felt for a long, long, long time. But uh, yeah, I mean, I sound like a broken record, but it's it's just great to uh, celebrate that for sure, for sure. And uh, we could get into this Pirates series a little more uh, here. The Pirates, Pirates were decent. They were decent. Um, it's definitely, I would say, it's definitely very fun to uh, disrupt the Cincinnati Reds playoff chase, taking two out of three games. I actually was watching the game yesterday on the uh, the Reds broadcast, and it was just it was delicious to hear the disappointment in their voices um, when when the Pirates walked that game off. And um, yeah, so the Pirates basically took two or three. They won. What was it? Tuesday, six to five. Won yesterday, five to four, and then today they lost one nothing all one run games interestingly enough um what are what are your what are some what are some of your key takeaways from this series well let's start off with the one that you mentioned that was that each of these games finished with a difference of one run that's very very good for where the pirates are right now um a big takeaway for me from today connor overton uh great pirates debut i'd say as an opener it's not easy to get claimed and then immediately make an impact on a team. But he did pretty well today going, I think what two in a three innings. Yeah. Three innings of two hit baseball. Didn't give up a run, only walked one and struck out three. So that right there is pretty special. Um, Hitting wise. I thought we did pretty good this series, especially from a few key players. Sutsuga, while he was quiet today, he did have a few good games uh, in the first two of the series. Um, Ben Gamble continues to be an offensive tear. Key Brian Hayes has been picking it up too. So that is something that I really latched on to is how Hayes has sort of, I guess, got developed a bit of a warm streak. I would say I wouldn't say so much of a hot streak, but definitely a warm streak. He's hit a lot more than we've seen in the recent memory. So he's been doing pretty good. I thought we did a pretty good job isolating the hot hitters for the Reds. Um, obviously the first game of the series wasn't too pretty. Castellanos, I think that was the first time he hit a home run and a natural disaster did not happen. Um, <laughs> But either way, we cut it way too close when we really shouldn't have, um, especially after going up 6 nothing after 5. But, uh, of course, leave it to the bullpen to almost blow it. Dylan Peters pitched well again in that first game. Uh, I'm really liking what I see from him. He's 1-2 and two with a 266 ERA so far. But just the fact that he's not really relying on the strikeout, he's put it, he's making hitters make contact, but it's weak, soft contact, and it hits, it's hit basically right to uh, anyone on defense. Um, so I, I'm really liking what I see from him. I hope that this isn't just like a one and done thing. I hope he sticks around for a while and does, uh, fairly well. Um, but as co- of course, you know, with me, as I always look at the positives, I got to go into the negatives as well. Um, let's start with, 
I guess we can start with the first game. Uh, let me pull it up right now. Uh, just talking about um, why is the box score not showing up for me? But so I get my head out of my rear end. But either way, I think the bullpen management was, I mean, it was hit or miss. If you think about it, I, I mean, Shelton, I'm, I'll, I'll go with today. The bullpen used today. Sam Howard after Overton was a bit uh, a bit surprising, I would say. I thought he would try to go maybe like Ponce. I think he just waited a little too long for that. Cody Ponce surrendered the loss, of course. Um, I would have pulled him after two. And that's that's the thing. Derek Shelton talks about pulling these young starters to save their arms and young relievers, I will say, too. But Cody Ponce, they just sort of just let him out there, and it's just – it doesn't sit well with me, you know, it's, it's an Anthony Banda only pitched, I think one inning this entire series. And that was in yesterday's game. I don't understand. He's supposed to be a long reliever, but yet they pulled him after that. And then they brought in Chad Cole, who almost surrendered everything. It, it was just, it's questionable. This whole bullpen management that Derek Shelton brings. I'm not a complete fan of, but again, we're no stranger to Derek Shelton, almost blowing things. Um, so that's one of the things and the, I guess, late inning scenarios, I, I question for Derek Shelton still because, uh, you know, listening to the radio broadcast today, we had those two runners on and Hoy Park up. Unfortunately, Hoy Park yet again shits the bed. No surprises there. He That's pretty much all he's done since he's come over. Um, but I was listening and Joe Block was saying how if Hoy, or Park reached base, Cole Tucker was next in line to come up to the bat or come up to bat. Well, and I, I, I was... I was flabbergasted. I'm like, hold on. We have a bench with Alfred, who had a hit in yesterday's game, so he's feeling a bit of a rhythm right now. And we also have Jacob Stallings, who is a better hitter. I will give credit for not using Stallings because, you know, with the second catcher only on your bench, you don't want to risk Perez getting hurt and then no one else can catch because it's such a specialty position. But the choice to have Cole Tucker come up and pinch it is highly suspect. That was a terrible move, in my opinion, from Shelton. I'm kind of glad that it didn't happen because, regardless, Tucker would have ended the game anyway. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that Givens didn't just intentionally walk Hoy Park to get to Tucker because he knew nothing would happen. Um, but I would have probably went with Alford in that scenario, and I know Shelton was probably playing strength on strength, righty against lefty, but um, just the fact, just that right there was very questionable. I'm surprised he didn't take Michael Perez out in that ninth inning and put Stallings in for him because Stallings can at least be patient at the plate, work a walk when needed. Whereas Perez swung at the first pitch he saw after two consecutive walks. Yeah. And then he flew out to center and did nothing. I, I tweeted out in that ninth inning. I said, Michael Perez needs to go. And you know what? I know I said it last episode, but I'll say it again. Send Colin Moran with him. I, I'm so tired of people making a case for Redbeard saying that he's a good hitter. Yeah, his numbers may prove that, but in clutch scenarios like today, he flounders. And I'm so tired of seeing Colin Moran just with the body language that he possesses go up there and just completely miss everything. Him and Michael Perez, I wouldn't be sad if they're gone. I know Perez is probably a rental this year. He's probably not going to come back. I understand that. So before anybody takes out their aggressions on me, I understand that. I'm just so tired of seeing all of this plan or pan out, especially when we have players like Key Brian Hayes, Ben Gamble, Yoshi Sutsugo, and Brian Reynolds all working their ass off, and then the pitching staff limiting them to one run when we probably have one of the worst bullpens in baseball. 
we should have walked it off again today, if not tied it in the ninth. That was a poor excuse of, of, of Derek Shelton picking the wrong people again. And just, it's, it's so infuriating. Over 14 in sweep scenarios now. And really, it's all because of poor management and players just underperforming in games. It's so sickening to see. And you know what's sad? What's sadder is that next year we're probably going to get the same people who underperform and Charrington's going to let guys like Gamble walk because Charrington's not going to want to re-sign him, even though everybody on this green earth is saying to re-sign Ben Gamble. They're not going to. They're just going to bring back the same old bums next year, possibly let the new guys come up and play, and it's just going to be another underperforming year with lack of excitement. I know that was just uh, that that tangent sort of like went in different directions, but for over 14 in sweep scenarios, there needs to be something said about this because there is just no way that a team that's actually trying is over 14 in sweep scenarios. It, it's it's unreal. So there's there's my thoughts on this series, both positive and yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, first, I will say, Brian Hayes in September, he's hitting 316, 341 on base. Man, the slugging's still not there, 342. I I do have to say, though, um, so, yes, Colin Moran today, he struck out pretty pathetically on three pitches, got blown away by two fastballs up in the zone, tailing away from him, just swung right through him, I think. One, if not both, were probably balls. But I will say, hearing you, hearing you uh, talk about his clutchness, I, I did. I when you were saying that, I, I was like, I, I agreed. I was like, you know what? Yeah, Colin Moran does kind of seem like he comes up small in, in big situations. But I will say, I just looked up on Fangraphs uh, his splits in low leverage, medium leverage, and high leverage, and then. I forget what the specifics are uh, for those types of uh, situations, but Colin Moran in high leverage situations before today, um, he's hitting 371, 450, So I, I, I agree with you. I test, I don't know where the hell those numbers are coming from. Like when is Colin Moran ever clutch? It is only in, uh, let me see how many, Played appearances, those high leverage situations, has he had? He's had forty plate appearances, so now forty-one in which he's had uh, a high leverage at bat. But uh, he's got two home runs, twenty RBIs. That he has most of his RBIs in high leverage situations. But you're right. I mean, today it, it definitely sucked to see that at bat specifically, and it, it was tough. As far as going 0 for 14 when it comes to being swept, I mean, I'm sorry. I I just kind of find that hilarious. Uh, I don't think it – I think it's just a matter of uh, – I think it's a statistical anomaly that, that, that that's happened. The fact that they've, they've been able to be one game away from a sweep 14 times and they have not been able to, to come through once, I mean, I – I don't think it really has to do with anything besides that's just a crazy coincidence. And at this point, I, I'll tell you this, at this point, I want to see that continue. I don't want them to get a sweep until the very, very end of the year when the pirates close out with these reds. And let's hope that the reds need 
Let's hope that the Reds need one game to get into the playoffs. They just need one game. And that is when I personally would like to see the uh, the Pirates get their first sweep of the year. To me, that would just be the icing on the cake of this terrible season. Pirates are 54-92 and 92 right now. I've kind of been – we've talked about this all year long, that that over-under 59-and-a-half that has been lurking, and we are getting – Super close. So, how many more games are left? They need to go six and. Let me see here. What's. They need to go six and ten the rest of the way to get the over on the 59 and a half wins. Let me just check out the schedule real quick. Honestly, we could do this right now. Let's, let's just go through the schedule real quick and see if they can get those six wins to get to the over. Not saying they have to not avoid 100 losses. I think think they're gonna lose eight more games i don't think they're gonna go nine and seven the rest of the the rest of the way to uh go 63 and 60 or in and 99 but can they get 60 wins so looking at the schedule friday starting tomorrow or today if you're listening to this on friday three games at miami um i'll give the pirates a chance to win two of those then they have three games at Cincinnati. I don't know. That might be a sweep again. Although the Pirates showed that they were a competent ball club over these three games at home. Um, and then they're at Philly for four. So that's that's tough. The fact that the Pirates have ten straight games, ten of their last 16 games on the road, they probably, if I had to be realistic, they're probably going to win three or four of those games if if uh, if they're lucky. We'll give them four. We'll be optimistic. Actually, no, we'll give them three. I'm going to give them three wins. Three and seven, or yeah, three and seven. So that would mean they're at 57 wins. That means of their final six games at home, they'd have to win three of them. Three against Chicago and three against Cincy. I'll say the Pirates at home have been they've been spunky. Um, they've they've been winning series as as we noted at the top of the pod. They've won three straight series all on this homestand. It was a six and three homestand, really solid. So I think closing at home, I'll give them four wins. They're gonna take four of six. They're gonna win two out of three. <laughs> oh shit. You know what? Screw it. I'll give them five and six. They're going to take two or three against the Cubs, and they're going to sweep the Reds to end the season. So I'm going to give them eight more wins this season, and that will put them at 62 and 100. They're getting over 59 and a half. Um, that's just – I'm just – I don't care. That's what I'm going with right now. As far as this series, I mean, bullpen usage, I mean, it, it is what it is. Shelton doesn't have much to work with at all. In the first game, Nick Mears just looked completely terrible. Four earned runs in one inning. Five hits in one inning after Peters pitched five scoreless solid innings. Um, Chase and Shreve somehow still has an ERA below three. Obviously, it doesn't include, um, you know, inherited runners that's a big reason why his era is so slow or so uh so low but yeah um you know 
it's it, it is what it is in terms of the uh the bullpen here. I'm trying to pull up um the game from today. You're right though. Um Overton looked pretty solid in his Pirates debut. He did. Um but you know, uh, drawing from the positives. Six runs in the first game. I love to see that. Yoshi has been great. I kind of half-heartedly compared him to 2009 Garrett Jones on Twitter last last night. And uh, their numbers are actually similar. Obviously, uh, 2009 Garrett Jones had 358 plate appearances. And Yoshi this season has about 80 or so with the Pirates. So the... Uh, the the plate appearances the sample sizes are not they're not in the same realm whatsoever but uh yoshi has been really solid another good series from him brian reynolds continues to be awesome um like you said hayes pretty solid i do think ben gamble's he's gonna be brought back like there's no reason whatsoever why ben gamble would not be brought back he's not a free agent He's arbitration eligible. He's probably going to fetch about three to four-ish, if that. Maybe, honestly, two. To, I would guess he's going to fetch about two to three million next season in arbitration. So there's absolutely zero. I don't think there's any reason to worry about him going anywhere. He's he's He has to be back next season. The Pirates are not going to non-tender him. That would just be absolutely just asinine so i i don't think there's any i think he's going to be back yoshi's another story because he's he's a free agent he can go anywhere he wants um it might take a little more to get him back but at the same time i don't know if other teams are really lining up at the door because yoshi had one and a half good months with the pirates down the stretch in garbage time so i think the pirates should be able to bring him back um i will say though hoy park you mentioned him it's been disappointing. Uh, I really had hope when he came to the Pirates that uh, he would he'd be solid. And in those first few games or so, he looked pretty good. But uh, as you said, he's just been absolutely dreadful at the plate, um, striking out a ton, not really walking all that much, hitting well below 200, not a lot of power. Um, it has sucked, but he's, he's barely at a hundred plate appearances, so I'm not ready to pull the plug on him. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think the pirates chances of getting over 59 and a half wins are? Sorry. I was kind of long winded myself there, but, uh, what do you think the pirates chances of getting over 59 and a half wins are going forward? I would say 50, 50, just because I mean, with their recent stretch of success, They've shown, well, yeah, at home, but still, as a team, they've shown that they have some greatness. But when the fact of the matter is that we have 10 games on the road, two of that or four of them are in Philadelphia, I don't have many high hopes about it. And considering a, a few of those are also in Cincinnati, we have proven to be strugglers in, uh, in Cincinnati. Don't have high hopes for that either. Uh, but we could possibly do it if we somehow string together some success. If our, I mean, we just... It's so hard to predict this, just especially with a losing team, because you you never know what they're going to bring to the table. And I think this home stretch kind of proves it because they, like I said, they show that they can do somewhat well. 
but then they'll take to the road and just look completely lost. I, to answer your question, 16 games left. I think it's, I think there's a decent chance that we could pass it, but I'm not completely sold on the fact that we're going to completely surpass that. Um, I would wager my money on more that we're going to reach that 100 loss season more than, more than I would that we're going to reach over 59 and a half wins. Um, and I know that's just the cynic in me, but it's also the realistic part just because with this team, it's a lot of experimental guys. You don't know what, you know, you don't know when they're really going to show up and play, but you know, let's hope for the best. I'm going to say that I, I, I don't know if I agree completely on, um, them sweeping the reds to end the season i think if anything a better chance at sweeping the cubs the series before that um but i mean hey anything can happen look at what happened this series we took two or three and almost swept today um but i'm gonna say uh when it comes to the miami marl i'll just go series by series i say we take uh i'll say we take one from the marlins because i know we face uh, edward cabrera on saturday and then i think we face Alcantara on Sunday, and I think he's going to have a better game than in recent history. The Reds, I'll say we win one. Philadelphia, we split it two and two. Cubs, we we sweep them. And the Reds, I'll say we take two uh, out of three to end the se- end of the season. Bro, that's nine. Wait, wait, no, wait. One, one, two. That's four. Sweep the Cubs. Yeah, that's dude. You. That- Nine wins. Yes. That's avoiding a hundred losses. So nine wins, nine and seven to close it out. I like it. I will be rooting for it. Um, it's kind of funny. I'm looking at the standings right now. There's two separate tank races going on right now. The first one is between the Diamondbacks and the Orioles. The Orioles are a half game worse than the Diamondbacks for the first overall pick. Those two teams are going one and two. That's pretty much. I mean, it's it's all but done. Those teams are going one and two. And then the Pirates at 54 and 92 are a half game up on the Rangers, who are 54 and 91. So that's the other race. Who's going to get three? Who's going to get four? And then after that, I mean, who cares? That Those top four, one and two are clinched, three and four are clinched, and then five through whatever. I don't care because obviously the Pirates aren't involved. But uh, – I find that pretty interesting, and if the Pirates are able to win nine games, that'll give them probably the fourth spot. I think they're going to go six and ten. I think that they are just going to straight up end the season with sixty wins. Vegas is going to be super right, fifty nine and a half. The Pirates will just barely edge sixty, and um, I'll I'll just go through it too real quick. Uh, the Pirates' schedule, so Marlins. They're going to win one. Reds, they're getting swept. Philly, they're going to win one out of four. Then they're going to come home. They're going to win two out of three in each, and they're not going to get their sweep, and that'll be six wins. And Another funny thing, we could get out of here in a second. Another funny thing, though, so looking at the uh, – NL wild card race right now. The Pirates are doing the Cardinals dirty work right now. Um, I hate the Cardinals. I probably hate the Cardinals more than the Reds, um, if I'm being honest. Right now, the Cardinals are 76 and 69. The Reds are 76 and 71. So they're behind them. And then the Padres, the other team 
fighting for that last spot to get their asses kicked by the Dodgers and or Giants in the wild card game, which who knows if the Giants and or Dodgers lost in the wild card game, each having like 105 wins. I'm sorry, I'd laugh at it. I would laugh at that. And that's besides the point, though. Padres are also in that race. But if the Pirates, it would be the most classic Cardinals devil magic if the Pirates win against the Reds. They have six games left against them. Say the Pirates somehow win four of those just, you know, because because of Cardinals devil magic. They're probably sending a package to the Pirates right now, a secret package of Cardinals devil magic to help them defeat the Reds to help the Cardinals get into the playoffs. I could totally see that happening, and part of me wants that not to be the case, but part of me doesn't care. I will sell my soul to the Cardinals' devil magic just to get a few extra wins at the end of this meaningless season for the Pirates. Um, that, that, to me, would just be fun to uh, kick the Reds out. But I just think it's kind of funny that, yes, the Pirates may ruin the Reds' chances of making the playoffs, and that in itself by itself is really fun and it makes me happy but at the expense is if they do that they're helping the cardinals get into the playoffs and i honestly i'll just say this now if the cardinals play the dodgers in the wild card game i will probably put money on the cardinals just because just because that would just be so cardinals to sneak in to beat the Dodgers in the wild card game just because, because one game playoff, anything can happen. Cardinals devil magic. And then the Cardinals would play the Giants. And honestly, those teams are kind of similar. I still think the Giants have totally overachieved this season. And I think the Cardinals would have a chance to somehow uh, take that series. And then who knows? From there, they're once again in the NLCS. And, uh, who knows? The Cardinals could most definitely make a playoff run. I don't want to see that. In a perfect world, the Padres somehow get it together and sneak into that wild card game and we get the awesome wild card game between the Padres against the Dodgers and or Giants. But I'm telling you right now, if the Cardinals get in the wild card game, they're winning that game. And I once again, I kind of uh, flew off the rails a little bit there. But yeah, that's what's going to happen. But go Pirates, beat the Reds. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, a playoff race we could talk about at a different time, but just hope that the Bucks can somehow string out a couple wins in a lost season and finish out the season's Yeah, so we, we'll be back. We'll be back after the Marlins series. We'll be back Sunday, and, um, yeah, we'll be, we'll be breaking that down a little bit. Jake, Twitter, what do we got? Twitter, you find me, underscore Radio Follow me, Nathan Hirsch, at Nathan underscore Hirsch, H-U-R-S-H. And, of course, follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter as well. Um, our writer, Austin Beckhold, just he wrote, a, he wrote a pretty compelling argument to retire Roberto Clemente's uh, jersey on the site. You don't want to miss that. Check that out. And uh, once again, we love you, Roberto Clemente. You're a legend, and um, yeah, it was a, it was a cool series, a cool Clemente day. It was cool to see all the Pirates and players all around baseball wearing the 21. And uh, shout out to Jacob Stallings too for being the Pirates Roberto Clemente representative. 
he is uh, very deserving of that, I would say. And, uh, yeah, Jake, any, anything else before we hop off here? Nope, we'll just see you Sunday after the Marlins series. We will be back. Go Steelers! Yeah, finally, a winning team in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Everyone peace out. Have a good one.